Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Lock and deal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What up, Duval? Welcome to the 60th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. The big 6-0 comes at the end of the Jaguars season. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you know the Jaguars did not win the AFC Championship. We will get into that. We'll get into a lot more, a lot of other fun stuff, non-negative stuff going on in Jags land. But we obviously do have to talk about the AFC Championship, Jaguars versus Patriots. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Klein and Hunter Evans. You can follow Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. He'd be happy to talk draft with you, talk uh, Texas football, Jaguars football, Magic basketball a little bit, maybe. Depressing loss to the Kings last night. Uh, again, follow him at ScottKlein1 on Twitter. Hunter Evans, at CoachH underscore Evans. You can follow him. Rag on him for being an Alabama fan. Uh, you can talk to him about high school football. He's a high school football coach here locally. And uh, talk Jags. You can follow myself, at Jordan DeLugo, on Twitter. I'm pretty much strictly Jags, but I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. So give us all a follow. Make sure to follow Generation Jaguar on Twitter as well, at Generation Jag, for all the latest news and updates, videos, podcasts, um, on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar, and check out our website, genjag.com. Got a lot of gear up on the store still right now. Uh, It's 10% off all gear until January 30th uh, with the code... Duval 2017, and that's a capital D at the beginning of Duval. So you can get 10% off your entire purchase over at genjag.com. We've got all sorts of Jag, Jag's unofficial gear, you know. AJ is my boy, Lord Ramsey, all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, we'll probably have some other sales coming up here in the next couple weeks for the end of the season. Make sure to check out Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. And you can check them out at either of their locations, uh, downtown on East Bay Street or in Riverside on Roselle. They've hooked, they've hooked us today. We've got the Greens Pale Ale for the second straight week, and we've got 1901, My favorite. Hunter's favorite, uh, the Red Ale. And we've got a pop-top beer this week that we will announce later in the show. Dun, dun, dun. It's going to be a, it's, it's a beer for a good cause, so it's pretty awesome. We're excited to try yeah. it for sure. Uh, we know the season's over, but for me, the reason I've been able to bounce back so quickly from this devastating loss in the Super I mean, Super Bowl, and the AFC Championship that, uh, you know, People can argue should or should not have been. But the reason I was able to get back from it so quickly is just the fact that this team is not at the end of its run. This this run is really just starting for the Jaguars. 
And really, this season it happened way quicker quicker than anyone could have imagined for the Jaguars' defense and the offense. You know, they finished six in total yards. The offense was not a slouch throughout the season by any means. So for me, I'm able to find uh, solace in the fact that I know Duval will be back next year and it will be strong, probably even stronger than this year, to be honest. You're not looking at losing many players. You're looking at probably getting your best wide receiver back and probably adding some offensive weapons in the draft and maybe in free agency. So I think you got to like what you see here moving on to next year. Do you guys feel the same way or are we still upset? I mean, the hurt's going to hurt for a while. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like I just got done running a marathon and then at the end of it, my wife left me. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm hurt. Miranda, don't go. I just want to curl up in a ball in a dark room. But no, it's in all seriousness, it's it was such a long, exciting season that I I don't think anybody expected to go like this. It just it got built up so much as it went on. You just couldn't help but get invested in it. It was just, and now that it's finally over, it's just exhausting. You know, you're on a like a four month high almost, yeah. just excitement, and now that it sinks in, that it's finally over. At least for this year, like you said, there's a lot to look forward to. It's just we're still in kind of the morning phase for me, at least right now. Yeah. I have no interest in football. At the Man, moment. there I can't blame you for that. I thought I would be that way, but. The Senior Bowl has also helped yeah. me, and we'll get talking about that a little bit, you know, thinking about the draft and all the new shiny weapons and toys the Jaguars could get on offense in this year's draft, which there are plenty of. Gets me excited, but how are you feeling, Hunter? I mean, it's, it's over, I guess. That's it, it's over. <laughs> I mean, it sucks that it's the last game, obviously. Losing in the last game is terrible, because you have to wait all that time for another game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's done. But... I mean, I, I think that was the most emotionally invested in a game that I was not physically involved in yeah. I've ever been. Right, which, I mean, Hunter, you're involved in. How many games do you all play every year uh, in high school? 12, including preseason and spring, Yeah. Um, if you don't go to the playoffs. And there's very few times where I've been, like, I've never been that nervous or uptight during a game that I'm not in. Because yeah. I just, as a fan, like... I, I don't have that fan mentality, like usually, because I've been involved in games. I think coaching has kind of taken my fanness out of a lot of it. Like I just sit and watch games usually, but that was the first time in a long time when I've been like uptight. I didn't sit the whole game. Like yeah. my, my heart was pounding. It felt like I was involved. I was so maybe it's because it's like the, our city. Like uh, maybe that's why. But I mean, it's done. It's over with. I, if I feel like if you dwell on it too long makes you forget the great season that we had. Yeah. Like as a Jags fan, you got to be excited for the future. You got to be happy for what just happened for the past 19 games. Um and my father-in-law said it when the game was over, and he's actually a Patriots fan somewhat um because he lived in Massachusetts. Uh he said, you know, the Patriots are on their way out and the Jaguars are on their way up. That you got to be excited somewhat. Yeah. You got to see that they took the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to the wire. I'm I'm so jealous that you can just shut it off and just watch a game and just let it let the punches roll. And Even, I get so wound up 
and just invest emotionally invested in every single game. It, it drive it like it takes years off my life. I think the problem like... is with especially with coaching. I've learned that the work's done Monday through Thursday. Yeah, and as soon as Friday night comes, like that's not your time to work. That's the kids' time. You you put your time and effort into the kids doing it. Now it's their time to go do it. If they don't, well, then you go Monday and try it again. But mm-hmm. if you beat yourself up nonstop about it, like you're you're just gonna end up going gray and yeah. ruining the game that you're you love. So it's the same thing with sport, like watching a game. Like they went and did their work. The players did their work. Now Sunday is here. It's time for them to go play and have fun. As a fan, if you get so wound up and uptight, like yeah. it's not fun anymore. It's yeah. It really starts to seasons be wear on, and it's like I'm miserable, and then, yeah. then it's not fun. Like they were we're gonna... watching it for fun. It's yeah. hard to watch it for fun. Like I and do it... a lot of critiquing, but at the end of the day, it's a game. Like just have fun, yeah. enjoy it, understand that we're in the AFC Championship, and that somehow. A team that went three and thirteen the year before is going toe to toe with the juggernaut. So it's 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 so hard for me to take a step back because I, I feel like every play I'm like, all right, we gotta do something. We gotta do something to put not put us in a bad position for the following play. You yeah. gotta be, always be able to do something and it just builds up and builds up and by the end of the game, I'm just I get quiet. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, get focused. I was, I, Jordan, Jordan was tapping me yeah. on the shoulder. He's like, hey, man, come on. This, my my wife was over. like... I'm like, I know. I'm, I'm just... I'm dead silent. She was trying to calm me down. Like, I didn't sit... One, I sat at halftime to try and eat. And I couldn't eat. I was so nervous at halftime, realizing that we were 30 minutes away from a possible Super Bowl. I couldn't yeah. eat. Um, but, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. It's, it's over. It's time to look to the future and not yeah. really look back. I mean, you got to obviously... Except that it's over and that we had an amazing season. I mean, this was the most fun I've ever had a Jaguar season. Definitely. Being at the yeah. playoff game. And I think seeing the way the players reacted at the end of the game also makes it easier to move on as a fan. Yeah, you saw Blake Bortles crying. <clears throat> yeah, tears coming out. At least Leonard Fournette was, yeah. was in the, in the tunnel. Was, yeah. Ugh. I mean, they're, they have more invested than we do as a yeah. fan. A little bit, maybe. But like seeing them upset makes me as a fan a little bit more okay with it because it's like, well, damn, at least they're not just going home and going on vacation kind of thing. Yeah, it's not like this is just like a job for them. Yeah, like you could see they care about it as much as we do. Yeah, you could see how much they care, and that helps. And then uh, I also read uh, Mercedes Lewis article. Oh, that's the Player cool. Journal, God, so or whatever. Cool. The Player's like, Tribune. Yeah, I read that. I guess that it was, was on Tuesday. Unbelievable. And when I read that, I mean, no, it was Monday. When I read it, I was like, okay. I mean, look what we did. And yeah. when he talked about what we had been through as Jags fans and as a franchise, like, why can't you just move on? Like, Damn. we got to see sixty thousand people swinging a towel for a game, like for a team coming out of a tunnel. Yeah. Like, that's pretty impressive for an NFL team. So, you know. NFL, you guys can go suck it. We we hung with the best of them, you know. Fans hey, of the pa- you know, Patriots in Pittsburgh. If you thought you were, if you thought you were done with us, because you knocked us out this year, Guess get what? ready. You come in a Duval next year. The Steelers and the Patriots Woo! and the Philadelphia Eagles. Except that's going to be in London. Yeah, but Duval. They, they is gotta London. change that. Like, do you think they change that? Change what? The Eagles game. No, it's already set. Come I mean, on, they're change, not change it. It's yeah. terrible. That. How do you have a team? Yeah. Hey, I say good. Get those Philly fans out hey, of my stadium. The Jaguars. It's true. 
are very good in London. Yeah. I'll take having to play a good team over there every year because they play really well over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Patriots and Steelers are both coming to Jacksonville next year. It's going to be some big grudge matches. Oh, yeah. Big time. I mean, for the Steelers, they're going to want to get back at the Jags for beating them twice in their own stadium this year. Who knows if Big Ben or Le'Veon Bell retires. That's going to be a story in the offseason. Yeah. <laughs> the boos are going to be impressive when oh, yeah. those two teams come out of the tunnel. No doubt. No doubt. Those are two games where you need to be in your seats before the teams come out for oh, yeah. sure. Uh, and, I mean, speaking of grudge match, I mean, the Titans are coming back again. Always. <sighs> they obviously play here every year, but you're going to have three games where it's going to feel personal. Oh, yeah. At least three games. I mean, oh, yeah. Colts and Texans, those could turn personal. Right now, they're not yeah. <laughs> because of what happened with those two teams this year and where their rosters stand at as a whole. But that's at least three big-time, big-time games coming mm-hmm. into next season. Speaking of the Titans, Mike Vrabel hired as their new head coach. Any, any thoughts on his hiring? He's an amazing... I've n- never heard anything bad about him as a football coach. Like He's one of the smartest football IQ guys that I've heard. Like People talk about him, and I've heard a lot about him. Um, I've seen some stuff that he's... you know Him talking and doing all that stuff, which is cool, but... It doesn't scare me. He's a first-time head coach. Yeah. He's, it's, I feel like there has to be growing. The one thing that bothers me about him is, not bothers me, but kind of concerns me, is he's going to bring a different energy to the Titans, Yeah, which is something that they right. have. Right. Mike Malarkey's like that droll, boring guy. Yeah. yeah. And Rabel could ignite some. Yeah, he's going to bring some juice into yeah. the Titans. And you, and you saw how Marone affected the locker room. He's going to bring that intensity that yeah. I just don't know if he's ready. I don't think he's yeah. had one year as a defensive coordinator. And it wasn't he's, very he, good. Yeah. No. And I just think he's brash. I think he thinks a little, really highly of himself. If, I think it might end up a little bit like Josh McDaniels' first go-around. If, if it doesn't end up going very well, you could probably see some infighting yeah. going well, on easily. The one thing that makes me feel good is that Marcus Mariota, it has been nothing... He hasn't been impressive to me. I don't know what happened to him this year. That's just the jump from one year to another. But like him this year makes me not too worried about the Titans. The Jaguars just have to kind yeah. of get over that hump of, oh, it's the Titans. I, I think they're ready. I mean, they want him to play the Titans yeah. in the playoffs. But, I mean, they got over that hump this year with the Colts and the Texans. Right. And you could see that when they played them, and even after the game, the comments were, that were made, the way they played against the Titans, and you can see that they're just not quite there. They're not able to quite turn that that knob to get past them. but Right, and when you look at the Titans playing against other teams that the Jaguars played against, the Jaguars match up against everybody better than the Titans. <laughs> except for when it's Jags versus Titans. So I think that, I think the Jaguars are going to take care of business against the Titans next year. We'll obviously get into that more. But uh, speaking of new head coaches in the AFC South, Josh McDaniels is pretty much set to be the Colts' new head coach. Uh, I mean, if Andrew Luck is back... That's a dangerous combination. Yeah. Andrew Luck's not back. He's still a great offensive mind and uh, probably a much wiser guy than he was when he was in Denver. To me, the one thing about the NFL, I mean, it's a league of recycled coaches at the end of the day, which is why I think you have such poor play a lot of the times, or there isn't much growth from teams. But at the same time, I don't think the best head coaches are always the best coordinators. You don't have... 
the best coordinators in the league going to be the best head coaches because mm-hmm. it's not it's not how much you necessarily know about football and how to call a game. It's how much you know how to control a situation, control fifty three guys and right. twenty coaches. And McDaniel's has learned from the best at that. But you look at Bill Belichick's coaching tree; super unimpressive in terms mm-hmm. of guys going on to be head coaches. One of the only successful guys you see is Bill O'Brien, and his he hasn't been hugely successful. No. I mean, he's gotten teams to the playoffs a couple of times. He also hasn't had a real quarterback to work with yet. Obviously, Deshaun Watson wasn't able to play most of the year or for enough of the year to make a big enough impact for the Texans to have a competitive season. But uh, I mean, I'm happy we didn't hire McDaniel, so... Well, I think in hindsight, everyone's <coughs> happy with the combination of Tom Coughlin and Doug Murray. Well, yeah, I, but I... We, I was happy at the time. Most yeah. people weren't. I thought, I, I thought it was a great hire. You did too. Yeah. I loved Doug Murray. I, I think you were just kind of like, it's not sexy. I wasn't. No, it was more that I wasn't thrilled that the same people that allowed the culture to be what it was were brought back. Well, yeah, but that's that's really tough because you the don't head control coach really things. When you're yeah, not I mean, coach. obviously, look how much I got an egg on my face because yeah. things worked out pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, it happens at every level, but. Josh McDaniel doesn't scare me. Mike Rabel doesn't really scare me. And Bill O'Brien really doesn't scare me. I think when it boils down to it, Doug Marone's the best head coach in the, the division right now. Um, that doesn't mean he's the best coach, but he's the best head coach. Tom Coughlin has this thing running like a pretty well-oiled machine right now. And I think Shad Khan has done an amazing job of just letting them run the team. They, yeah. you know, He just sits back and he's the guy. Yeah. Speaking of Shad Khan, he was named to the all-new uh, NFL Owner Player Social Justice Committee, which their goal is going to be to make the NFL a better place in terms of social justices and uh, trying to get rid of any social injustice that happens in the NFL. And, and beyond that, they're going to be ambassadors. Uh, and like I said in the title, Owner Player Social Justice Committee. So this is going to be comprised of current owners. Shad Khan is one of five owners, I believe. You've got Stephen Ross from Miami, Arthur Blank from Atlanta, uh, Jimmy Haslam from Cleveland, which I was surprised to see him on there. He doesn't strike me as a social <laughs> justice type of guy. I don't know that much about him, but he just kind of seems like a nut job to me. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, Bidwell from... Arizona. <coughs> okay. Uh, so you've got all those guys as owners. Former players, you've got Anquan Bolden and Aeus Williams. Both of those guys have been super active in all sorts of philanthropic uh, things and active in the NFL. Uh, and then current players, you've got Kelvin Beecham, former Jaguar left yeah. tackle. Is he really a current? Oh, yeah, he is. I'm, yeah. thinking, I'm thinking of, uh, never mind. Kelvin Beecham's up in New York. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking of somebody. Never mind. Um, and then you've also got... Brandon oh, Brandon <laughs> That's <it>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Kelvin Beecham has done a lot of charity stuff and all that sort of good stuff in the past. So it's not surprising to see him on there. There's a couple other active players. I believe Josh McCown and one other guy. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's good to see the NFL responding to all the protests, really, from the last couple seasons. And good to see Shad Khan, who is a Pakistani immigrant and a guy that has dealt with social justice and injustice throughout his personal and professional career, 
be named and appointed to this committee where they're going to be working hard to, you know, get rid of any injustices in the NFL. So I'm happy to see that. Uh, it's good to see Shotgun get some, you know, get some credit basically for being such a badass that he is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean badass in like the nicest possible way. Like he cares about communities. He cares about people. Yeah, he had no <clears throat> connections to Jacksonville right. at all before coming here. And look at how he's embraced this. I mean, he saw the potential. Yeah. No doubt about it. So cool to see him there. Um, Alan Robinson, his recovery is going very well. He posted a video earlier. You can go check that out on Twitter or on genjack.com. We've got it up for you. He's running on a treadmill. Good to go. Uh, he should be, you know, fully participating in the offseason program. Just a week too late. <laughs> I don't think he's quite ready to play a game right now, but he can run at full speed. Yeah. So that's a good sign for sure. I don't now, think there's the a ACL chance. there's cutting and all that yeah. stuff. I don't think play. there's a chance he's not a Jaguar next year. No, and we'll certainly talk about that more in the future, but you got to think the Jaguars are going to do everything they can, which everything they can do means he will be on the team because they yeah. can franchise tag him if worse comes to worse. But they should do everything they can to sign him, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like you're probably looking at a Devontae Adams-type contract, 15 mil. <laughs> yeah, he, he mentioned something about when he signed his contract. <laughs> what did he mention? I think he just tweeted out like with, with a couple eyes. They're like, <laughs> I, see you, I see you, Devontae. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's a guy that he'll be a Jaguar next year. <clears throat> if he's not a Jaguar next year... Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell have been smoking some shit. Shame on them. <laughs> For real. I mean, he's a stud. He's a guy that if he was if he was playing in the AFC Championship, it's probably a little bit of a different ball game in terms of where you're throwing the ball on some of those third downs and second downs. Uh, so, God. Best of luck to your rest of your recovery, A-Rob, and we can't wait to see you this uh, spring for OTAs and all that good stuff. Uh, Pro Bowl. Jaguars have five players representing. Technically, six Jaguars made it. Calais Campbell won't be playing. Uh, he has a minor injury. I don't know that much information has been released about that, but he's not playing because of an injury. Uh, Unique Ngakwe taking Calais Campbell's spot, which is cool. Well Good deserved. for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about well-deserved, he was tied for third in the AFC and sacked and didn't get voted into <laughs> yeah. the Pro Bowl. It's crazy. Led in fumbles. Yeah, he led the NFL in forced fumbles. So that's just good for him. Good for him to be there. Telvin Smith, another guy that should have been in originally. He's a guy that got snubbed because of the whole outside linebacker 3-4-4-3 BS. And fortunately, the guy that we wanted him to be in over is who he's replacing. Today, Beyond Clowney. It's perfect. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. He made it in easily. Him and... Him and A.J. Boye were the two highest uh, vote-getters at the cornerback position. They'll both be representing. Uh, they were having a good time hanging out at the Pro Bowl today. Um, saw a lot of good videos of them working together. You saw Jalen Ramsey lining up against Antonio Brown. A lot of fun stuff there. And um, several of the Jaguars beat writers are down at the Pro Bowl. They're able to get some quotes from the guys. Um, A.J. Boye. And also Malik Jackson. <coughs> Right, Malik Jackson's down there too. 
and yeah, actually Malik Jackson talked to Mike K. He said, we made a city proud of us. We made our coaching staff proud of us. And you really couldn't ask for much more. Before, before he had said that, he did... Malik did say, you know, it was disappointing to lose. Yeah. It was really frustrating. So it's not like he's just happy to be yeah. where they are. But when you take it and look at everything as a whole, you really can't ask for much more going from a 3-13 yeah. and 13 team to an AFC championship team. Um, AJ Boye, he <clears throat> had some interesting things to say. I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, first off, earlier in the week, he kind of grilled Todd Wash for running too much zone at the end of the game, which we'll talk about that more. Hunter has some interesting opinions on that play calling there at the end of the game. Um, we'll certainly get into that more. Let's see here. I'm trying to find A.J. Boye's comments from earlier in the day. I heard there was a lot of uh, Jaguars fans and. Some Duval chants were running yeah. out. Yeah, Mike Kay and um, Mike Duraco both were talking about how there was some good Duval chants going on out there. Um, but AJ basically said, we'll be back. Yeah. And we're going to be in that game next year. And he wasn't talking about the AFC Championship. Oh, yeah. So they are confident. They are ready to get back at it. And I think the Jaguars players are ready to just show, <clears throat> show out at the Pro Bowl. The guys that yeah. are there, they they want to show they want they want you to put some respect on them. <laughs> yeah, especially Unique and Gawker. So that'll be really good. Awesome to see all of them out there. Senior Bowl we t- started. We mentioned that before. We'll get into that. There's been two days of practices. We'll talk about some guys that the Jaguars could potentially target from that game. Um, we'll do a lot more draft work moving on, but we're just going to focus on Senior Bowl players this week. Uh, but before we do that, and before we talk about Blake Bortles' future with the Jaguars, Pat's recap. Uh, the Jaguars played three quarters of great football, really two quarters of amazing football. Third quarter, pretty good. Fourth quarter, fall flat on your face. Um, you got to give credit to everyone, coaching staff, players for those first three quarters and you also got to put blame on everyone for the last quarter coaching staff players everybody where do we begin where do you begin i mean it just there's so there's so much let's begin with the obvious officiating yeah i mean officiating it didn't win or lose the game it was just a factor it was bad it It was was a major factor it was. It, yes and no, but I mean, it was it was terrible. It was a terrible officiating, and I think a lot of people have come out and said it. Not The not, Jaguars lost by less than a touchdown. And not Jaguar homers. Like, national media people have come out and said it was bad. It was just bad. Right. Jaguar homers are going to be like, oh, we lost the game because of officiating. Yeah. But, like... People like us are going to tell you, we lost the game, and officiating was a part of losing the yeah. game. Yeah. But the Jaguars have plenty of opportunities they did not capitalize on. There's no doubt. But when the national media comes out and says how lopsided it was, and it was. It was completely lopsided. There's no way you can tell me a team in that game <clears throat> is going to go one penalty for 10 yards to, what, nine penalties for 89 yards or eight penalties. There's no way you're going to have that much of a difference in the AFC Championship. Right. And the one penalty was a special teams only. They didn't have <coughs> one penalty called on them on offense or no. defense. And you go back and look at the tape, you see at least, at the very least, 
five obvious penalties. <clears throat> drastic, drastic penalties. Um, pass interference, there was two or three that were just terrible. Mercedes Lewis got mugged a yeah. couple times. Bad. Um, I do see, keep seeing one coming across p- pictures of Marquise Lee. Yeah. The, that's, but that was after Marquise Lee's hand touched the ball. So that's a little so bit I'm of a sketchy picture. So I'm taking that one. Yeah. You might say face mask or something, but take that one away. But Mercedes Lewis got mugged two or three times. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Big plays, too, got mugged. Um, holdings were bad. Dante Fowler on the 3rd yeah. and 18. The 3rd and 18, two Jaguars were getting held yeah. badly. And then the 4th and 9. Or 3rd and 9, when, sorry. When you're Deion Lewis, Ryan, <coughs> Telvin Smith was held Let me at, Let me ask you, as a coach, when you're an offensive lineman, and the defender's shoulders, one of the defender's shoulders is in your chest, that's not a good blocking position, correct? No. <laughs> and the problem is, as the... Game went on because all those those two major ones were late in the game, um, you know, third and fourth quarter for both. Well, both of them were the fourth quarter, I guess they were. Yeah. As the Patriots' offensive lineman, you've gone three quarters. You know what they're going to call. Yeah. So you Do know it. you're going to be able to get away with some more. And in those kind of situations, you can take that chance. And I will. <clears> and, I, and they really, on both offensive lines, they let them play. I mean, yeah, I think the the holding on the offensive line they let them play pretty well. the The big discrepancy for me was the pass interference. Yes, one hundred percent. The AJ Boye pass interference was terrible. Absolutely, he ran himself call. out of the play. It was just and they got a, he got coverage. gifted. Um, the the Ramsey one, he got beat and he made a dumb play. Yeah. Um, and then the unsportsmanlike the on Barry Church. Right. Uh, they're the least penalized defense in the league. Yeah. I don't know how Barry Church does something different on that play. If he goes low, Rob Gronkowski might not be playing next season. He might not play ever again. I mean, that could be... Um, if he tries to hit is. Rob Gronkowski in the middle of his body, you're looking at a big injury for Barry Church probably, maybe a spinal cord or concussion or neck or something like that. And when he leaves with his shoulder, there's going to be some inadvertent helmet-to-helmet contact, and that's what you saw. It's... Just frustrating, and Richard Sherman, who's no fan of the Jaguars by any means, <laughs> yeah. came out and said, "You know, What's what is Barry Church supposed to do?" A lot of people came out and asked the same thing. Like, I just think Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is really interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of NFL players coming out and saying, "Like, what?" That's the problem with the rule. But whatever, penalties bad. Got to beat the refs. Got to beat the Patriots. Right when you're playing the Patriots in Foxborough. Mm-hmm. You got to beat not only the Patriots, but you have to beat the refs. And the Jaguars weren't able to do that, although they had the plays available to make, and they weren't able to make them. Mm-hmm. They didn't execute, and that's that's to me the fourth quarter came down to. They got beat physically and mentally. They just did not play up to the standard. Yeah. And before we get into what the Jaguars didn't do correctly in the fourth quarter, let's go ahead and get into our pop top segment. Lighten up the mood a little bit here as we talk about, you know, we can celebrate like the, the like the uh, the refs did with the Patriots after their touchdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've got a really cool and special beer here with us today from Bold City Brewery that has not yet been released to the public. They've released this beer early to us. Uh, they're working with the uh, Kummer Museum and Gardens, and if you don't know, the Kummer is a great uh, museum and beautiful gardens, yep. but 
they had a lot of issues with their gardens from the hurricanes and the bad storms that we had, you know, in the October, November months last year. And a lot of their garden was just completely ruined. So Bolt City Brewery is working with them. And one of the things they're doing is creating an all-new beer for the museum and gardens called the Avant Gardener, which is obviously a play on the term avant-garde, which is uh, people that are experimental, radical, unorthodox, with respect to art, culture, and society. This beer, according to Bold City Brewery, we haven't tried it yet, really fits that bill. It gets its haziness from the wheat and late addition of rose petals and rose hips. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those are uh, nods to the garden. It was aged on more rose petals slash hips and toasted oak chips. Again, more references to the garden. This gives it a floral, earthy, and aromatic characteristic, brewed to help benefit the Cummer Museum Gardens after they were destroyed during Hurricane Irma. Has 4.3 alcohol by volume. Anything good here? What do we look Sorry, it's, it's, it's comments that A.J. Boye made today. and Some comments. Oh, that, yeah. Let's this hurry. is about Blake Bortles, but it was about AFC Championship. And, okay. So, yeah, Blake... <clears throat> Well, I'm going to go ahead and start pouring the beers as we... <laughs> okay. as Sorry, we, I just I was just no, reading. Good. I wanted to keep the ball rolling. Johnny O. Yeah. <clears throat> so, cornerback uh, A.J. Boye on Blake Bortles in the AFC Championship game. We can't just blame it on one person. At the end of the day, the defense had to show up too, and we didn't. If we would have won that game, what would y'all be saying then? Um, I think that's interesting. But it's true. It, but the thing about it is he doesn't say we can't blame Blake Bortles. No, he says he we doesn't. can't blame it all on Blake Bortles. Well, no, he doesn't. But the, also... I think that's an interesting comment. The comment yeah. he says where... It he, doesn't completely show support of Blake Bortles. But he also did say he really kept us in the game, and okay. I wish that we would have finished it for him. Okay. I know it hurt him. That just shows you how much of a competitor he is. Yeah, and I think the team did play really hard for him, like, and I, with him in mind. And I think, it, I think it is a bit off-base to... If, if you're going to single anybody out to blame Blake Bortles. The, yeah. But the big sentence for me is, if we would have won the game, what would you say then? Which is so true. because yeah. his People stats, would call Blake a hero. His stats were equal to, oh, yeah. minus a touchdown, Tom Brady's. He played shot for shot for the most part with Tom Brady. And if he would have gone and beat them, whether it would have been with that last drive touchdown or whatever, what would they be saying now? Like, the only difference between him and Tom Brady was that, that day was when it was down to crunch time. The Hall of Famer made the plays. Mm-hmm. So much more experience. Yeah. Um, but, yeah Brady's seen everything. Blake yeah. has not yet. But getting back to our Pop Top segment, <laughs> we've got the Avant Gardener 4.3% alcohol brewed in support of the Cummer Museum Gardens. <clears throat> and we're going to go ahead and get into it. They did not lie about the haziness. I was, I mean, I was just a, about to say that. that is, look at the color on that. It looks like me. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I thought I was going to do. Well, I was just about to say that. <laughs> wow. You get cool. the flowery flavor. Absolutely. But it's not overpowering. It's, it like, it's like a hint of it. It's almost like... You've got rose petals and rose hips. Yep, that's and then, what it is. Wow. It's very... Yeah. Uh, it almost tastes like a, a juiced product in a way. Like It has that texture. You know what I'm saying? Like a, I think that's the haziness they're referring to. For sure. Because it's like a little thicker. Yeah. That really surprised me. Yeah, to be honest. And it smells really fragrant. Yeah. It smells like a garden. Like, I imagine yeah. you could sit there and drink this in like a flower garden and it'd be intense. What a great... There's nothing wrong with what that. What a great no. beer. What a great cause. I'm in, That's awesome. I'm intrigued. 
Well yeah, done, so, yeah. <laughs> I think that's going to be released next month, early February. Uh, again, that's the Avant Gardener in support of the Cummer Museum Gardens by Bold City Brewery. For more information, you can contact Bold City Brewery at either location, downtown on East Bay Street or Riverside um, on Roselle. Make sure to check them out also, boldcitybrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. That's crazy. And, My bird uh, like roses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're uh, Wives are gonna, <laughs> yeah. Be like, yeah, they're gonna be like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Why don't? Why aren't there flowers here? For? <laughs> you buying flowers for someone else? Yeah. <laughs> are you eating those flowers? Yeah. Whose roses have you been eating? <laughs> All right. So yeah, thanks to Bold City Brewery for hooking us up with that early. We're glad to help spread the word a little bit. Absolutely, that's awesome. Um, help out the comer because. You know, that is a beautiful place. If you've never been down there, I highly recommend going. They're still working on the renovation of the gardens, getting everything back in tip-top shape, but awesome place for sure. Now, back to the fourth quarter. Hunter, I know you did some extensive work on this quarter. I did, because this was the quarter that everybody talked about. So let's get into it, man. (laughs) All right. I mean... To start, I guess we'll start on the offensive side because that's going to be the side that everybody thinks really ruined the game. Um, right. When you only give up 24 points to the Patriots. <clears throat> yeah. So everybody's going to say, well, why didn't you score 25? Um, <clears throat> and I think the biggest thing that stuck out and something that y'all said was the first down runs. Running the ball every time. And that was such a big thing. Like somebody even threw out a stat on Twitter, made it really public. And I went through their first down plays. They ran a trips left close. So they had a. Trips on the left with a tight end on the right. They were in a zone left read um, with a bubble on the left side. So Blake had the option to throw bubble pre-snap, but they were in a three-man, three-on-three man coverage. So no. Went right to the read option, and they had a Mercedes Lewis arc out to the corner. The only guy out there. Good play. Solid play, because it was only a five- or six-man box. Um, it was a give-read. We only got, like, three. Something like that. Not a bad play. Um and then the next first down, they ran the bunch right, the play that everybody was falling in love with all the first half. They had to have... Because it was working. Dude, they had like 60-something yards on it, especially the little bubble. The Patriots played it perfectly. They they covered the bubble. They had enough guys out there. That's what they do. Um, they they And Blake even said something later in the game. They did really good adjusting to forcing Blake to give the ball with keeping their shoulders square. Um, so he gave it up. AJ can... AJ can, AJ can, AJ can, AJ can. It's a house AJ call. AJ can't? Can't, apparently. Because <laughs> if he, him and Linder are double teaming, and the linebacker scrapes over the top, Linder gets off to make the double, to block the linebacker. And he gets to the linebacker, because you can see him get to the linebacker. AJ can trips trying to overtake the double team. And if he does not trip, the guy that makes the tackle is blocked. And it's a house call. Leonard Fournette is not caught by anybody. Game over, probably, at that point. That was with eight minutes left in the game. Still up by two scores. So that was bad. Um, <clears throat> but that wasn't the end of the day. I mean, they, they made a nice post throw to Hearns that kept the drive going. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was another Trey right. They went with a zone left. They did a lot of RPO. RPO was the name of the game for them. And they weren't bad calls they really weren't but it was do just... you think that potentially having so many run pass options out of the shotgun 
where you know the Patriots are trying to not let you pass the ball is an issue. I think it is. I think it's it, too predictable. It, it might, but the problem with the saying it's predictable is they have to cover three options. If you go under center and you run the ball downhill, they're able to really then load up and come downhill. Right. But they know, <clears throat> they know they're taking away the pass option. They did, they did a good job. They played a lot of man coverage. But the nice thing about the run-pass option that it did is they knew the Patriots were going to play a good amount of man because of the crossers they run. So by playing man, you take guys out of the box. You have to because you have to cover the four receivers that they had out wide, four, three or four receivers. That takes three or four guys plus the safeties out of the box. So then you have a lighter box, five or six-man boxes. You should be able to trust the five or six guys you load up with the tight end and the five linemen to block man-on-man. Man. But there was just no chance. And that, and but, that there, but there was. They were just not doing it. That's my thing. Oh, like, yeah. You know at the time <clears throat> that your guys are not getting the job done. Apparently on not. But it, I didn't it see seemed a, to snowball <clears throat> really quickly, I guess. To yeah, me, and I they see, didn't make adjustments mid-court. <clears throat> Maybe not, at but at the same time, the players, you call a play, you get a chance to make a block. AJ Can makes a chance, gets a chance to make a huge block. Cam Robinson gets a chance. Cam Robinson got whipped by right. a cornerback. He was struggling with his shoulder. But, if, but if, by a cornerback. Know, it's bad. If everybody, corner. Ex- if everybody Sorry, executes on every play on offense, nobody in the league is punting. That just doesn't happen. Well, no, but that, that is true. Overcome. But when you're when it's one person and it's one shoe tackle, or yeah. you're one slight half a second away from busting one, that's what I think the players have got to execute. I mean, Fournette missed a terrible block. Oh, a free rusher right up the middle forced Blake to throw it under pressure on a bad throw. That was the the one on one shot to Dee. <clears throat> you know, who knows what happens, but. At the, at the Lewis beginning? got mugged a couple times. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, the third and eleven, where they had Keelan Cole wide open in the middle, mm-hmm. and is another. He gets a first down. There's no doubt yeah. he gets a first. Linder gets whipped by a nose tackle. You got as a coordinator, you can't just dial up all these gorgeous plays all game long. At a certain point, you got to understand we're going to line up to against you, and we're going to put our five guys and your five guys, and our five guys are going to beat you at least once. I take those odds, especially with how the line been playing. They just didn't. They just didn't. And at the beginning, <clears> do you of the think season, it's possible that the coordinator Nathaniel Hackett could have done a better job calling the plays in the fourth quarter against the Patriots? The I think where he went wrong and the biggest folly that they had was their second and third down and longs. Yeah. On first down, you you run the ball. That's fine. I don't care. Let the clock. That's why run. you drafted Leonard. And then down. on second down, they went deep. Every that, play, every play in the fourth quarter on second down, after they did the running out of the shotgun, yeah, they, they went, went deep. They went on the At first least drive, medium deep. Like I'm not saying 30 yards downfield, but you know, 15 plus. They had like a 10 yard uh, pass play to Mercedes Lewis over the middle of that it was a should have been a pass, pass interference. Um, the they did hit a post. To, Alan Hearns, which was a nice ball, but the next time they go is when they had the bad, the miss block, and they overthrow it to D.D. Westbrook, um, and then they had a bad ball by Blake, um, which is the one Alan Hearns is coming across. I think y'all should remember on the sideline, and he throws it just behind him. Yeah, a good ball catches it. It's a first down. Um, I just think the play calling in the second down 
kind of put them in a bad situation. Yeah. Right. And it kind of and what's weird is it really went away from what they've done all year. Right. Yeah. When you're trying to assault away a game, how does it make sense to try to go deep on second down when <clears throat> literally if they get a couple more first downs in the fourth quarter, yeah. they win the game. It's not about getting chunk yardage. It's no, about but moving the ball home. Yeah, and it's so hit or miss. Because I've heard both sides where people are like, well, they, they were not aggressive enough. They ran the ball three times in the fourth quarter. But so People if, that don't think they're aggressive enough don't really know what they're talking about. I, the one thing that really surprises me is I don't think they used Yeldon enough in the fourth quarter, and I don't think they used Corey Grant enough. I, Especially I on screens. And Doug Marone admitted the issue with Corey Grant. That was coaching. Yeah, that they, was bad. They did not use him that's, in the second half. That's the one thing right away that sticks out to me. Yeah. And then, I mean... To me, I don't care about them running the ball. That's who they've been all season. <laughs> it's the fact that, like, like Jordan said, it's the same play out of shotgun, which... <clears throat> Going not into the, the same play, but you're getting the, in the same <coughs> formation and, well, and, and but the shotgun whole, the whole shotgun been, thing, all that is so it's so irrelevant because with the run they gave I mean, Fortnite is better running the ball in an eye form. I agree. There's no question. But at the end of the day, the runs or at least weren't with on, a fullback. It wasn't on him necessarily. None of those were on him. Like it's a it's a miss block here or a miss block there. That's fair. So That's fair. if you line up under center, that miss block still happens. Fournette's still running right into the guy. So that doesn't change, I don't think, whether you're in gun or under center. They did the gun. I would say they did the gun because it gave Blake options. It gave him True. three options that if they take one away and not the other two, or two away and not the other one, it gives you something. But they were able to take away the passing option and then still overcome yes, I think on the running on their own. They were still they just dominated the offensive line. They just played better. Yeah. And I mean there's a third and eight. Um, they threw like a seven yard pass to Alan Hearns on a little wheel. Beautiful play call, but a safety makes an amazing play. He gets right there and makes a place for a you know, fourth and one. Um, at the end of the day it if the offense, it might have been somewhat bad coaching, but I don't think the play calls were the bad coaching part. It might have been the personnel and the use of the personnel. Yes, um, I would agree. With and that. maybe a little bit of more clock management. It, they were predictable. It, I think it, it became, became a little predictable, predictable. Um, and that's fine. I really do think that's fine because this mentality of the team has got they're, they've run the ball, and if the team knows they're going to run the ball, you still run the ball, and you got to be able to run the ball. Right. It's kind of crazy how many things just failed in the fourth quarter. If any handful of the plays we're talking about are successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes... I mean, you, it's I mean one of the plays we're talking about are successful. You're talking about perhaps a win. Yeah. If AJ can just trips a step later, yeah. it's you know probably a first down. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, then, I mean, if you want to go to the defensive side... They did not play well either. And people are going to say the whole man zone thing, whatever. They played man half the time. A man concept. You're talking about in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter when they played a, people are saying they were running only like, <coughs> Not counting. Including a quarterback. <clears throat> yeah, not counting the, the kneels. They played man, from what I counted, 11 of 22 snaps. And some are checks. There are a lot of checks because the Patriots do. They're really good at motioning and outflanking you. So you're going to have to check into stuff. You can't just line up and man every down. That's not the way the world works. That's not how football in the NFL works or any high level. Um, a third and 18, Miles Jack and Gip got absolutely just 
treated like children by and there Tom should have been a penalty eyes. on that play. Should have, yes. Miles Jack still Miles didn't Jack do a is show. <clears throat> ran to the sideline pretty much watching Brady. That was pretty much do. just a youthful mistake, in my opinion. A veteran just absolutely working oh, yeah. a yeah. basically a rookie worked him out of the zone where he knew the post was going to be coming. Um, and Gibson had the same thing. Uh, the first touchdown in the fourth. Which was to Amendola was man coverage. Dude, Danny Amendola, you gotta give <clears> credit to that man. It was a great, it was a great play call. They ran a vertical stem that ended up holding Miles Jack long enough so he couldn't get with Amendola. It was, it was man coverage. It's crazy how nonchalant and comfortable Tom Brady is well, just I mean, standing in the when you've like been that. in thirty something games in the yeah. playoffs. That's it's just watching I, that particular <clears> play. <throat> he just stands there like a statue. Yeah, just looking around, does not give a. Sh- no. And again, that goes back to the offensive <laughs> line of the Patriots beating what's the best defensive line in football. Yeah. On the on the last play that I mean, pretty much iced the game, well, that did ice the game, I mean, Louis Jackson gets driven back 78 yards. I mean, you can argue about the merits of the Jaguars' offensive line versus the Patriots' defensive line. There's no arguing that the Jaguars' defensive line should definitely be better <clears throat> than the Patriots' offensive There's line. There's no doubt. There's no question. <clears throat> Not even close. But And I mean, for three quarters it was. The 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 long pass interference by Ramsey was man coverage. Ramsey was in straight man to man right off the bat and just got beat. Yeah, bad man coverage. Um, and then the second touchdown was man coverage on the outside, and they just let Amendola get lost in the middle behind him. I mean, and that's like an Amendola specialty. He yeah. works on that. Yeah, yeah running he, across the back line of the end zone to find an opening. Yeah. It's frustrating it, and. You know, people can point to whoever they want. They got beat. The bottom line, the players and the coaches equally did not get it done <clears throat> in the fourth quarter. It was a relatively inexperienced group just kind of getting Players worked. and coaches. You have Todd Wash yeah. in his second year as a defensive coordinator. Yep. And you have Nathaniel Hackett in his first full season as the Jaguars' <clears throat> offensive coordinator. You have Doug Marone in his first season as the Jaguars' head coach, only his third season ever and first as a head playoff coach. Here. Yeah, and his first playoff games. <clears throat> and so it's well, a team that got beat. I mean, we were talking. I was. We were talking before you got here, Scott. But this first half ended. They're riding high. Emotions are going. They're yeah. beating up on the. I mean, they are beating up on the Patriots. <laughs> it was a and if it wasn't for. Two bad, you know, penalties. They probably go up by two good scores, yeah. fourteen to three at half. They're coming into the third quarter. They beat up on the Patriots another quarter. Beat up on them good. They go up by ten points in the fourth quarter, and I think that youthfulness just came out a little bit too much. And the Patriots were they were comfortable. They're in that position yeah. a lot, and that showed. Throughout the entire fourth quarter. And really, <coughs> it showed a lot this entire season against mm-hmm. against good veteran football teams. And I'm not including the Ravens as mm-hmm. that because they really weren't that good this year. Mm-hmm. No, but like the Cardinals. they Cardinals, the, they outlasted <coughs> the Jags. Yep. And I, I do believe the end of the Cardinals game was coaching. Because those no, that the, was. the cornerbacks were playing off when the Cardinals needed like 20 or 30 yards to get downfield to get in field goal range. Yeah. That was that was terrible. But, I mean, um, I think it's. But going back to what I was trying to say, the Seahawks game, you saw the Jaguars not be able to salt it away against a great team. Which no, the Seahawks a, were a great a team. A team at that's that time. been there. barely hanging on on right. most of the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then against the Steelers, the Steelers the second time they just 
they couldn't keep it together. It was 28 to 7. Yeah. It was 28 to 7. Um, so you see that against really good quality veteran teams. The Jaguars this year showed their youth, even though they were able to win most of those games. The difference between the Jaguars, and I think the Jaguars are very comparable to the Seahawks, of all, like the Seahawks Super Bowl and the Broncos Super Bowl. The difference is the, the age. The Seahawks and the the Broncos were fairly veteran teams. Yeah, right. While and the Keith Jaguars Talib is in the prime of his career when he's going <laughs> up against Rob Gronkowski, Jalen yeah. Ramsey, he's twenty three years old. This this was probably a year or two early. I, I mean, it I shows really think you. this is a year early. I yeah. mean, I kind of expected them when they started the playoffs to get to the AFC Championship, mm-hmm. but well, that was after you'd seen the whole regular season. Yeah. Yeah. no one would have said no, that no, at no. the end of the season. I said they would get yeah. to the playoffs and probably lose in the first or second round. When they when it started, right. I thought they'd win the division. Maybe go nine and seven, eight and eight. Yeah, whatever. I picked nine and seven. But was mine. <laughs> I do think the AFC Championship might have been a year early, but at the same time, this is a great experience for them because yes. they went up there, they stood toe to toe with the greatest coach of all time, probably in the NFL, and one of the greatest quarterbacks, arguably the greatest quarterback of mm-hmm. all time. And He's they, be the best. and you can see, I, what, I, I would argue against him, but okay. That's a different conversation. Yeah, another day. But the two, I mean, juggernauts of the NFL at this point, and they stood toe-to-toe and made a statement and said, yes, we can play with them. And I think that's a huge thing, especially when the entire team really is coming back. Yeah. Minus one or two guys. And that's huge. To me, one of the biggest things that was causing my sense of urgency is that this is one of the healthiest years they were extremely I can healthy. I can ever remember. On the defensive well, that's not side true. I was about to say. On the mm. offensive side of the ball, they weren't. Outside of they wide were, receiver. I mean, they were without Marquise Lee. Allen, the line Allen, was Allen, beat Allen, up a lot of the year. You were going through the season with the offensive line shuffling quite a bit. Uh, Leonard Fournette missed several games. Mm-hmm. So I don't really necessarily agree with But that. even then, and how many times have guys gone on IR? But it's not necessarily the injuries, I think, that you have to look at. You have to also have to look at... When the year started, the Jaguars had no idea who they were. Yeah, Yeldon didn't play for half the year. Yeah, and Yeldon came in the second half and just balled out and really made his. He has cut out a little niche in this team. Yeah, that it's going to be hard <laughs> yeah. to get rid of him. He's the Jaguars Theo Riddick. It's yeah. and it's amazing what he was able to do. Some of the plays he made in the end of the year are big. Yeah, and I think huge plays. And I think that's what changed throughout the year, and I think will really translate next year is they're really starting to find out who they are and what they are as a football team. And, man, how did it take so long for Corey Grant to explode well, in this offense? Part of it is a guy like Corey. Man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you have you have two guys in front of you that Every time he gets playing. opportunities, he produces. But That's what I'm saying. A guy like Corey Grant doesn't fit into what they thought they were going to be. But you can have packages and plays. They did, and that's I think it started to show in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But then I think a lot of the inexperience and the youthfulness of this team, and coaches can be. Cons- I mean, Doug Marone can still be considered youthful because he's only been a head coach for four yeah. seasons and one playoff year. The youthfulness and the little bit of doubt, maybe subconsciously, where you're like, "Oh, well, no, let's try and go back to what we were and run yeah. downhill and just." And no, that's no, no. and that's what change. that's what. <clears throat> has won Bill Belichick championships. It's being able to diagnose in the yeah. first half every single thing that went right and wrong for both teams and exploiting the piss but out also of it. Yeah, the Patriots are a different team half-to-half game it's to game. It's insane. But also sticking, at the same time, sticking to what you are, sticking to your game plan, yeah. understanding that 
different things are going to come and go throughout the game, but you just got to kind of stay on the course. And the Patriots did that. Take the refs out of it. Take everything. Yeah. They stayed the course. They lost their best player, arguably, on the entire team, other than Tom Brady, and stayed the course and kept staying the course. I think defensively <clears> there was <throat> a lot of adjustments. Adjustments, that are, but that's not changing your course. Like, yeah, you can make adjustments, but you understand like nothing excites you too much. Nothing gets you down too much. You yeah. understand that everything's still ahead of you, and that's what the Patriots are good at. And that's why the Jaguars weren't able to execute and finish the Arizona game. The Steelers, or they did finish the Steelers. But that's why it was a forty-five to thirty-eight game or whatever, forty-five forty-two, and the Patriots. And I think that shows. And I texted y'all like, that's why Belichick's so good because he's able to do it. But that's again like, you look at a Belichick and you look at a Nick Saban. These those two guys are able to make things happen that a normal head coach doesn't make happen yeah. because they've been there. They know what it's like. They and it's it's not, to me, it's not only execute, executing your game plan, but feeling and understanding where the game is going and what ex- it's going to take. <clears throat> exactly. And I think you could see on the Patriots sideline, and one thing that concerned me the whole game is there was a time in the second quarter where they really started to look kind of flat mm-hmm. and dead. And then maybe a little in the third quarter they started to look dead. But how calm they looked. And then in the fourth quarter, they really started to ramp it up. And yeah. Amendola is jumping around on the sideline. And that's when you got to get a little concerned. Yeah. Because the Patriots don't show excitement like that unless they know it's like it's in their hands. They can smell blood. Yeah. That's their time. And that's what's scary about a team like that. And one day the Jaguars will be there. Like I really do think that this team with this swagger that they have is going that way. But they've got to understand what it takes to truly be elite and what it takes to and, be the Patriots. And I think I think a team like the Patriots think of it on a much grander scale as far as the scheme of a game, where the Jaguars right now are probably focusing too heavily play-to-play. I, I think it's the and, reverse, actually, in my mind. Uh, because okay. I think the Jaguars are thinking too much of, holy shit. Like, they might, not buy, they might not say it to the public, but I think... At throughout that game, <clears throat> and as the game went on, they did the same thing the fans did. Holy shit, we're about to beat the Patriots. Holy shit, we're about to go to the Super Bowl. Well, and Holy shit, my, who am I going to get tickets for? My thing, my thing is, the Patriots look at it and they go, "This game's four quarters. That yeah, it's, it's not, this next play is not going to make or break us." No, but they also understand that the next play is the most important play, and the play this after is that true. is going to be the most important play. <laughs> right? I don't think y'all's points were completely different. Just the just, wording was the wording. Little, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like the idea is that the Patriots get the way the game of football is played at the highest level, and that every play could be the next best play, and you cannot. Get hyped on yourself from no. a half ever. No, you Can't gotta understand that the first half is only the first half, mm-hmm. and the last play doesn't matter. No, it does not the, matter. Whatever happened the play before doesn't matter. It's all about what happens on the next play. Even if it's a third down, you got to punt. Make that punt worth it. Like do something to make the next play worth it. Yeah. And the Patriots, they like I don't like them, and I do wish the Patriots would understand. Well, not the Patriots. The fans would understand that. 20 years ago, the Patriots were literally they were a stick in the mud. <laughs> they were there so bad. So, it, yeah, you know, the Patriots franchise has reached depths that the Jaguars never have. No, yeah. never. And they were the, always the <clears> team <throat> in Blitz that I would want to play against when oh, I wanted yeah. to score 100 points. <laughs> but 
the Patriots do something that has never been done in the NFL and will never be done. Mm-hmm. And if Brady wins the Super Bowl, he will have more Super Bowls as an individual than any team. Well, he'll tie the record for any team. That's stupid. Which is crazy. Yeah. So that's another reason why I'm able to just move past it. They were outplayed and outcoached, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a chance to move on. It's a chance to grow and understand that this team is still, franchise is still so young, and their ceiling is so much higher than what, because I think the Patriots are at their ceiling. Like, they're there. They've reached the top. Like yeah, they're at the pinnacle. Yeah, I, they really are on the way down. When they lose Brady, it's starting. It's going to start unraveling. It might not unravel, but it won't be. It will never be this. Yeah. And I think the Jaguars have to realize that there's so much ceiling left, and the fans can't be so butt hurt and you know rash. Hey, I'm one of those fans. You watch your toes. Don't be so rash. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, fire all the coaches. They lost us. No, they didn't. Like, they're still. Now, I will say, if those issues that come up. They came up in this game, and sometimes during the season, come up again next year. You can start yeah. talking about potentially yeah. replacing. But that's fine because that's called you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over with right. the same result, and it's a lack of growth and exactly. understanding. What. That is different. But one year, not to mention Todd Walsh was named the be- the defense the coordinator of the year. Right. Yeah. By the by the Sporting News, voted on by the rest of the head or by the rest of the coaches in football. He was voted the coordinator of the year. And usually, I call me crazy, but if you put Bill Belichick or you put any coach in the NFL next to Joe Schmo, who's out drinking at <laughs> Patty's Pub, you know, hey, I'm shout out to all his son. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with the NFL coach when it's yeah. his opinion on who's the better coach. You know. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, we have a good coaching staff, I think. I really do think they've built a good foundation. Don't be surprised if their teams come calling for Todd Wash. I mean, it, I mean I would, this point, it's, it's not going to happen this year. this year. I think next year, unless something drastic happens, it's going to be the exact same thing on both sides of the ball. You won't see anything different coaching-wise. Maybe a couple like assistants, mm-hmm. but I think Doug Marones and Chad Khan and Tom Coughlin – and Dave Caldwell have done a really good job of building the foundation and the organization. It's built. Yeah, it's finally Famous built. last words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally. You know, whatever. We just had a snag or two, you know, a failed inspection or two. Yeah. But, like, do y'all not get that sense? Like, that oh, the, I do. The foundation, like, it's a family built. That's what I like, said. Like, it's not, there's no sweeping change. It's literally, yeah. okay, look at the team. How do we get better? Well, now they're and there's not a lot of answers. No, now they're for me. There is. There is. Well, okay, there are some explosive playmakers on offense. They're going to be moving pawns, and you possibly have one already on the team. Yes, Allen Robinson. Yes. So I I still think D.D. Westbrook's an explosive playmaker, and he and Keelan Cole is too. But But, I think that they need a guy that can physically dominate the way other. Receivers around the league can, and they don't have that. Besides, maybe Allen Robinson. That's why I think Allen. That's why I think, and we haven't talked about it, and nobody said it here, but I've seen comments. That is why Nathaniel Hackett needs to be here for another year at least. Mm-hmm. Oh, because you gave him an entire year, year of no Allen Robinson. He changed the entire offense from yeah. what it looked like into a short crosser. Look at the skeleton. Let our speed guys yeah. just run. 
Imagine next year when he has a downfield threat of Allen Robinson. Yeah. Imagine what D.D. Westbrook's going to do. I mean, <laughs> what he had to work with this year at the receiver position was a fourth-round pick. Granted, insanely talented fourth-round pick. But it's still a An undrafted player. Undrafted rookie. Two, Keelan yeah, Cole. And an undrafted, an undrafted rookie from 2016, Jadon Mickens. An undrafted rookie from 2014, Alan Hearns. Yep. <clears throat> That's what he was working with. And I've heard Alan Hearns for a lot of the years. And Marquis Lee, who was a second-round pick, who was the <coughs> most heavily targeted receiver, but also the most inconsistent. Yeah. Oh, he had a huge Dropped drop. so many balls. He had a big drop in the game. Uh, and we'll talk about these guys more later. Let's move on. Senior Bowl is this week. Uh, Wednesday today is day two of the Senior Bowl uh, practices. And the practices are really where you get everything exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the game is good, but it, the game is... You get less out of the game than you do out of the practices because you get to see more matchups in the practices, more good stuff, and more... Um, you get to see more of the drills that scouts and coaches see as, like, if this guy can do this drill, he's going to be able to do this in the game. Things like that. Um, yeah, it's a lot of drills that you don't really do during the season. Yeah. Because they're not beneficial as much. But they show your athleticism yeah. and what you can do on the in terms of they allow you to build, translate yeah. to the program. <clears throat> um, so the, there's a lot of there's not really a ton of positions of needs for the Jaguars, but there's some peti- positions where they could potentially uh, go out and upgrade. Certainly, I think one of those is definitely tight end. No, one of those is tight end. We need to get a. I think for the Jaguars, it's a balanced tight end. I don't think it's just a straight receiving threat because that's not the guy that's going to be able to play every down for the Jaguars because you got to have a guy that can learn to block. You need a more youthful Mercedes Lewis. I mean, I think you could certainly upgrade from a youthful Mercedes Lewis. Not but, in blocking, but in terms of being an actual receiving threat. No, I agree, but I'm saying that's what you kind of want. You want a presence who's block, a blocking presence, but we... But why go for that when you could go for a Rob Gronkowski that can block and be the best receiver? Because there's no such thing as another Rob (laughs) Gronkowski. That's not necessarily true. There's a lot of really talented guys in this draft. Rob Gronkowski. I'm not saying they're going to be Rob Gronkowski, but a guy that could potentially be a good blocker and a good receiver. Get you a girl who can do both. Uh, I think you've got to find a guy who is efficient and highly effective over the middle at tight end. Yeah. That's the biggest. Those are guys that. What do they do? They win 50-50 balls. They win when there's tight coverage. Mike Gisecki of Penn State is exactly that. He has not yet developed into a good blocker, but he has the potential of the frame and the willingness and the wherewithal to know he needs to improve as a blocker. He's not one of those guys that's just going to be lined up in the slot or out wide all the time. He lined up in line. He knows how to do it. And I think he has the frame to improve on what he can do. And you've got a guy out there, too, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, da- Dallas Goder, he's from North Dakota State, made famous by Carson Wentz. Uh, he's more of just a receiving threat. He got injured on Tuesday, but he got injured making a great play. He pulled his hammy. Um, if the Jaguars do decide to try to get a guy that they can just use in packages um, instead of being you know, their feature tight end, this is a guy that could be that guy. And in such a deep tight end class, that could be like second, third round pick. Uh, I don't see that. I think I see them going for more of a balanced guy, like we've said. But Especially that awesome. early. Yeah. Um, wide receiver. 
Do we all agree that you would like to see like a real number two receiver yes. in Jacksonville? Because I think Didi is your number three. I'm just, and I'm not, I'm not saying he's just a slot. Yeah, but I'm saying he should be your third. The problem option. with receiver to me is not understanding. I don't know, like if people, I don't know if the Jaguars really. Well, they might, but what they really need because yeah. you don't know what Allen Robinson's going to be after the injury. I think he's um, going to be a stud. I'm confident. I mean, him. I would hope, but and he has a chance to. But realistically. We need what we thought Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and Marquise Lee were going to be. That's what we need. We need those three guys, however we can get them. And Allen Hearns with an Allen Robinson across from him but then could again, potentially... I don't know. I don't like maybe, it. I don't know. That's, that's what I'm... Another point is, like, with Allen Robinson, it changes the aspect of the offense yeah. a lot. So I don't know what you do. I think Marquise Lee's probably gone. Um, I really just think he was underwhelming. So you, I think you find a guy, and I think Didi steps into that that mm-hmm. role. So you have to find a guy who's the next Alan Hearns kind of guy. Well, I don't think he needs. To, I mean, he needs to be reliable like Alan Hearns. But if you can go get a guy that can be an explosive playmaker and play where Alan Hearns was playing, imagine what you can do. Yeah. I mean, James Washington, Oklahoma State. Yeah. This is a guy. He's just a little under 5'11", but he has insanely long arms. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, these arms of his make him play more like a receiver that's 6'3". Plus, he has great athleticism. He averaged over 20 yards a catch in college. Yeah, he was a He was a Belenikoff Award winner this year. Mm-hmm. Same as D.D. Westbrook last year. He's a guy that will be there at number 29, most likely. Uh, he could be there even past that um, into the second round. And he automatically makes you a much more dangerous football team. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the kind of guy who, straight line speed, he's one of the most dangerous. He's probably the most dangerous deep threat in college football. Right. right? And he's also got that body and that mentality. Mm-hmm. Once he catches the ball, he kind of turns into a running back. Yeah. And he's kind of like the Jarvis <clears throat> Landry comparison, but actually a deep threat. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. I mean, that's the type of guy you want on your football team. And he's been dominating at Senior Bowl he's so never, far this week. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, he's never really been asked to run routes. <coughs> and really? That, yeah, no, yeah, that was absolutely one State. of his biggest things, and he knows that. He <laughs> yeah. has to expand his route tree. So it's it's something where you'd like to see. Obviously, the coaches are probably pushing him to show a lot more of that this week. Yeah, um, I'd be interested to watch the game to see exactly how he looks, but. As far as home run hitters, I don't think you can find a better one in the draft. Yeah. Um, it's tough. I mean, there's he's guys. But Calvin Ridley, I think, is a better okay. home run hitter. Washington's I think special. He's a better I, I understand, but holy moly. I think Calvin, Calvin Ridley, Ridley is, is a better all-around, but I don't his know. His route running is what sets, separates him. But that's not a possibility for the Jaguars. So. Right. Probably not, because he's no. probably gone in the first I, 20 picks, 25 yeah. picks. Um, <clears> and then he's also not at the senior bowl. Uh Byron Pringle, K-State. He's not a guy I knew before coming into this, but he's been dominating everyone. He doesn't blow you away with uh, size, 6'1", a little over 200 pounds, but no one's covering him. He can't be covered at the Senior Bowl, and there's a lot of talented DBs out there. And coming from Kansas State, he's relatively just flown under the radar because they just don't focus on throwing the ball. I'm not comparing his skill set to Demarius Thomas, but... 
you didn't see Demarius Thomas get the ball enough in college. Oh, yeah. This is a guy that's probably a little <laughs> yeah. bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, the receiver position kind of scares me. Okay. And you can... I, like, because I, I feel like there's... There's guys at the receiver, especially in the senior bowl, that like are intriguing. But there's also guys that's like, do you really want to take that guy and take the chance with him? Because I think there's going to be... Cause at I know this point, d- when you're the Jaguars, you have to take chances trying to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I but think- I, I mean more as... I know we're just talking about senior bowl guys right now. But I think there's going to be better juniors to take right now than the I think That's fair, but we're talking about guys yeah, the Jaguars that's why target I, in the draft that are at the senior These bowl. two guys aren't like the ones that really excite me for the receivers. James Washington is James Washington is pretty exciting. But does he, him and D.D. Westbrook kind of would play this. I don't know if James Washington's an outside guy. I, oh, he is. I, I would have. There's no question five eleven though at receivers. Dude, his arms be, are ridiculous. I, I get that, but five eleven in the NFL when there's corners that are six one six two. He's got the Keep vert. Keep up. Dude, <laughs> Keep up. He's got the vert and the arms. His arms change the way he can play the ball in the air. No, I mean, I mean, when his arms were longer than a lot of the offensive linemen's, that's impressed. Yeah. I I got that. I mean, I do understand. And he's not like five foot eight. No. He's almost 5'11". I like the guy. I, I think he's a guy that like the Jaguars him. drafted him. He would help their offense. He's an extremely impressive receiver. Now, You're talking about getting a safety out of the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you'd really do have to worry about the 50-50 balls with a guy like that. Now, uh, moving on to another position that we think probably will be a position of need is the nickel cornerback. Jaguars are going to have a tough time bringing Aaron Colvin back. They could, and I would like them to. What, I would like them to work it out. What would you bring him back for? He's, I don't know. What I, what I would bring him back for, I would bring him back Get rid of Alan Hearns and go give him seven, eight million. Oh, because I saw Mike K say three years, fifteen. Is Each? a is a no, 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 no. Yeah, I saw him say, yeah, yeah, three years, fifteen. Five I'm, years. I'm thinking he's talking about five million a year. I don't think that that's possible. Yeah, the I only way I would that. say that's possible is if you front. The problem is, I don't. I think if you went three year, maybe eighteen, and then front loaded it with like a give six him or like fifteen in the first two years. Yeah, like a seven and a seven kind of thing, and then maybe give him like a three or four in the last. With a possibility to upgrade that, but I think as the Jaguars, a guy like Colvin, if you can, I don't think it's possible with the hometown deal, but the possibility that he gets to stay here with people that he wants to be around, yeah, and, and want maybe him the around. people want him there. Jason Ramsey exactly. has been vying for him to get a contract all year. He's been exactly. kicking and screaming, hey, yeah, saying exactly. Yeah, and I think Jerry you can get him on a team-friendly deal, not necessarily a pay cut. But a team friendly me and a front loaded where we still have cap room, you do it because why draft a guy when you got a guy? Especially right. because you're when, basically just shifting it from Alan Hearns to Aaron Colton. Right. It's, I would totally it's, do that. Yeah, you're, it's bet. net zero. Well, because then you could, yeah, you keep Aaron Colvin, drop Alan Hearns, which I, so I feel bad for Alan Hearns because I like him. But yeah, we love yeah. Alan Hearns. But, but we, you draft you know, it's about the, But then games. you go draft the re- receiver, and I feel like. I really do think that drafting a receiver is safer than drafting a nickel corner. Yeah. Nickel yeah. corner, I've said it before. It's, it's hard. such a hard position. And it's so important. It is. And Aaron Colvin, I mean, I wrote it down, 70%-ish of the plays. And he got an interception. I mean, Finally. Yeah. I think he's a guy that he plays well blitzing. I mean, he's a great blitzer. 
He's oh, a great yeah. run defender at nickel. Beautiful. Defense. And he's good in coverage, and he has the continuity with the rest of the guys. You bring a rookie in and try to start him or have uh, Tyler Patman or Jalen Myrick, that's it's going to be a drop-off. Yeah, and I think that's the problem is you bring in a rookie who has to compete with like a Tyler Patman. Not going to be able to. It's At the end of the day, it's not always – it is about getting the best guy, but also you have to look at getting the best chemistry. And if you got a guy who has really good chemistry – and you might have to a little overpay him more than you would like. That's okay. It's okay because you're getting a good guy with great chemistry and everybody's happy. And yeah. that's really what the NFL is. I mean, it's a business. Now, if the Jaguars aren't able to lock up AC, there's a really intriguing prospect of the Senior Bowl for me, MJ Stewart. He was the highest rated North Carolina Tar Heel player this year. And he's been locking guys down inside, outside of the Senior Bowl. A lot of questions about whether he can play outside in the NFL. He's certainly been able to do that in the Senior Bowl so far. But if he's a guy that people have questions about being able to play outside, the Jaguars might be able to get him a discount later in the draft. You know, middle rounds, maybe third round. Um, That's the type of guy that could potentially be as good or better than Aaron Colvin. But, again, not next season. No, and I there's a guy that I kind of like. I'm going to go with a homer pick again, but um, Averett from Alabama. Okay. I think he's going to be a middle to later round. He's not going to be a top three round, I don't think. Um, but he's a bigger, more physical corner. I mean, they were able to leave him and Levi, or Bo Levi Wallace on their own and take Minka to safety. Right. So if you're able to trust those guys on the corner on the SEC, I feel that's like impressive. Yeah, I agree. you could take him and throw him on the inside. So, yeah. But that's another guy... That just sticks out because I know I've seen him play a lot. And he's got the size. Like, he's a Colvin-style build. <clears throat> well, yeah. So, so, there's certainly options for the Jaguars if Colvin, they can't work it out. But definitely the number one option there is getting Colvin Are you back. telling me you're going to try and replace an Oklahoma player with an Alabama player? Come on. Let's get some Texas love in here. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I don't care where they came from. When Corey Grant was running on Sunday, I was screaming. I was like, I don't give a damn War Eagle today. Like, right. Jesus. You heard it. I want that clip. The second they leave, the second they leave college, yeah, I'm going to always root for I like a guy like Derrick Henry. I agree. Yeah. But <laughs> the second they leave college and they're playing in teal and black. Yeah, I love, I love Aaron Cole. Yeah. I love D.D. Westbrook. Yeah. I mean. But, I mean, of course, I'm always going to have love for, like, the guys that, you know, won the national title yeah. for me. But Yeah, so, um, moving on from cornerback, guard. A.J. Camp, as you said, not great this year. EJ, he has some good A.J. Games. sometimes can. Yeah. Um, that's, that's probably a better way to put it. But Patrick Omame, he's a free agent. He's a guy that you should be able to get back for pretty cheap and plug in again at your mm-hmm. left guard, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You do want to upgrade, in my opinion, from AJ Can. Will Hernandez from UTEP, 6'5, 340 pounds. He might not be the best scheme fit. Me and Hunter talked about this a little bit yeah. before because the Jaguars want a guy that can move really well. I don't know about his movement skills. All Where I know. Where did he come from? UTEP. He absolutely has been dominating people off yeah. the ball. Like every, de- every defender he's going against is getting pushed off the line of scrimmage. Really impressive. Bradley Bozeman. I. Alabama yeah. guy. I know, but you guys... He's a center, and he can play guard. Yeah, Tell he, us a little bit about him. I mean, he's huge. He's been... He's 6'5", too, I believe. Yeah, and he's pretty much been a four-year player for them. I mean, he was the captain. He's He was the offensive line this year without Cam Robinson there. Um, he has played tackle, actually, I believe. 
He played uh, right tackle on the other side of Cam Robinson for a little bit. But it gives you the option, and I still think that it's being muddled around the whole idea of Linder to guard. you got to do what's best for the offensive yeah. line. And if you can get a center in here who's really, really good and move Linder to right guard and make your offensive line that much better, then you do it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he is going to be more athletic, I think, than the Hernandez kid. Uh, just from what I've seen, they do run a little bit of you know, center polling and getting guys out in space. Um, and that's what the Jaguars do a lot of. We try to get guys in space. Um, but at the same time, as a rookie, I feel like you can you can lock down a guy at center a little easier than you can a guy at guard. It's easier to protect that guy. And I think pushing With Linder... With your two guards. Yeah. yeah. You, you can push Linder to right guard, and you got Linder and Parnell and Omame and... Robinson. Um, Robinson, and then you throw a rookie in the middle. I feel like that's a good look. A solid rookie. Yeah, a solid rookie, not, not just a guy. Yeah. Um, but I just, again, I, I've seen Bozeman play. I think he's he's. I mean, he's a big kid, so it's kind of hard to go against him. The Hernandez kid, I did see some clips. It's really impressive. His power is stunning. The size, the size does kind of bother me at guard. Like three forty as a guard is. That's yeah, and I mean, maybe, maybe if they go board. after him, they can see him as a guard for now, a right tackle for later. Maybe. And I've never, I haven't watched much much UTEP. I'll have to go and watch some. Wait, you're telling me you weren't watching UTEP all season? <laughs> yeah, not lately. <laughs> I just don't know what they run offensively. They used to be a very spread team, so I don't know if they've changed. With a 340 guy at guard, you probably changed a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who knows? Like, I think... Either of those guys, and I really did like Hernandez. The whole turtle shell pads and everything was amazing. He looks but, old school. Yeah, he does. It, if you get a guard in here right now, the offensive line changes drastically. If you get a better guard, and I think if you get five guys across the board that you trust, and I think right now Can is the only guy that you can't trust. Um, you know, Dave Caldwell is going to have to bite the bullet on that one and just move on. Yeah. So I'm surprised it didn't happen last year, to be honest. We all were. And he played better this year, but he didn't play up to like a, anywhere close to no, an average or above average. There, some, of, some of it, I mean, you can always attribute to what the defense is doing because, I mean, you're going up against 11 guys who are trying to stop you. But it's just, there were too many, I think it was too much just muddle around the line of scrimmage and not well, the guard able to create... Yeah, in the second half of the season, there wasn't enough push. No, in the, the I've said it, I think I've told you all before, but in the zone offense, like they're trying to run, the guard center guard are really extremely important, almost more important than the tackle. They really are. And Doug Marone has alluded to that before. Yeah, because they really do get the guys going. If you can block a nose tackle and a three technique, you're gonna get a lot of yards running, especially running the zone, because there's zone is gonna be front side a gap to backside a gap. It's not going to be outside to outside. So if you're getting pushed with the one and the three, you're able to move some bodies, get three, four yards falling forward, and still run by by the defensive ends. So those three guys are extremely important, and they've got to make an upgrade. I don't yeah. think they've put enough attention, and I think that was their biggest fault last year. So hopefully they make the I, next I think this year, just looking at the roster, they can afford to invest more than ever. In key positions, like offensive line, because well, it is a luxury where they can they 
they're not having to upgrade everything. A lot of the picks this year will be depth. Yeah. I think. But at the same time, they're also going to be able to pick and choose. Like, say, this position has to get better. We're going to invest resources into this position. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the past year, they have done that somewhat, but they've also had to kind of scatter their resources. Because the the cupboard was so bare. Yeah. I mean, going and getting uh, Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, Barry Church, you know, and Sean Gibson. That's spreading pretty, I mean, that's somewhat spreading thin. Like that's three major positions that you went and signed. Really four. Because yeah. D-line is two different positions. So, you know, yeah. it's going to be fun to watch, I think. Definitely will be. And now my final player at a position potentially of need that I've been watching so far this week, Trey Williams. And he made probably the play of the day yesterday uh, mm-hmm. against the college football's leading rusher, uh, Rashad Perry. And he just... Skirted past the offensive lineman, blew up Perry in the backfield, and then also was able to grab the fumble that he forced. I don't like Trey Williams. Yeah, Auburn guy. <laughs> You'll like him if he's no, a no. Too. He he is a very impressive. I mean, I saw him. He's a guy that's an inside linebacker. Yes. A potential replacement of Paul Buzlesny, in my opinion. Yeah, I think what we really won't know until we start to see how what the team's identity wants to be unfolds, understanding what they want to be on defense. Um, well, I think part of what <clears throat> is going to help unfold that and uncover that is what they do do in the draft and free agency. No, I agree. But so. I think you will start to hear more stuff leak. And like when you start to see people visit. Um, yeah. The Jaguars have been talking to some of these guys. Uh, Hernandez, uh, I believe Jaseki they've already met with as well. So they're doing their. They're apparently doing they their met work. with. Apparently they met with Mason Rudolph. I think. They did meet with Mason yeah. Rudolph as um, well. Yep. So I mean, that's yeah. a guy I didn't bring up just because quarterback is a whole another ball game. Yeah. yeah. And we don't even have time to get into Blake Bortles in the quarterback I mean, position. That's a whole now. episode. Right but there. we will do that next week for sure. We will talk about that because we're already we're at one one hour and twenty four minutes here. That's um, an amazing one hour and twenty four <laughs> minutes. Yeah. What are you talking about. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up now. That's gonna do it for our show. It's been an awesome season. Thanks to everyone who listens to us, supports us. Please, if you can, go review us on iTunes Podcast. It'd really help us out. Follow us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Check out genjack.com for all the latest news and analysis. Um, And check out our gear. All gear is 10% off right now. If you use the code capital D UVAL 2017, Duval 2017 with a capital D, 10% off all orders at genjag.com. Follow Scott Klein on Twitter at scottklein1. Hunter Evans at CoachH underscore Evans. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo. And um, make sure to check out Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Genjag podcast. They're working with the Cummer Museum and Gardens to try to get the gardens uh, back up in, in order and into the, into the shape that they were in prior to Hurricane Irma. And uh, go support them, please, if you can. You can find Bold City Brewery online at boldcitybrewery.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And you can go uh, hang out with them, grab some beers at their downtown location, East Bay Street, or at their uh, Riverside location on Roselle. That's going to do it for our show, episode number 60. been a fantastic show. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the you know first two seasons of our show now. Yeah, well, we're wrapping up season two. Uh-huh. 
and uh, it's been it's been an awesome ride. Sad to see the Jaguar season end, but I am so excited for the rest of Senior Bowl week. So excited for draft, free agency, all that fun stuff. We still get to look forward to that, even though we're a good team. It feels like we're getting such a late start to the offseason. Yeah. <laughs> like going into Senior Bowl work, I was like, oh my god, I don't know any of these fucking players. Yeah, it's like, by now, last year, we've been looking at this stuff for a month and a half. Every yeah. player that was going to get drafted. <laughs> Not literally, but like you know, yeah, I was on top of it by now. But yeah, it's it's a good thing, and uh, it's it's cool. We're happy, and uh, thanks for listening to us. That's gonna do it for the Gen Jack Podcast, episode sixty, end of season two. I guess we start season three next week. Let's do it. Good stuff. Hooray! All right, thanks for being with us, and uh, go Jaguars. Have a great rest of your week, Duval. Thanks so much for listening to the GenJag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.